You are listening to Her Guided Evolution, a weekly podcast created to help Black mothers be consistent with their self-care and take daily action toward well-being. I'm your host, Shanice Jones-Cameron, a mom of three, wife, and PhD student. I created the show to connect you with tools and resources to help you commit to a healthier lifestyle, manage stress, and prioritize your personal growth. Now, let's start the show. Hey, this is episode two of the Her Guided Evolution podcast. And for today's show notes, you can head over to herguidedevolution.com forward slash your self-care. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about self-care and why it matters, particularly for us as Black women, as Black mothers. And reflecting on this topic, I have been kind of unpacking and thinking about where some of my own beliefs and some of my own ideas about care have kind of stemmed from. So I grew up with my mom taking care of my grandma and being the main caregiver for my grandma. Um, My grandma was diagnosed with diabetes like in her mid 40s. And at the time I was a kid, so I didn't realize just how young she was and like how devastating like her health beginning to fail her in some areas had to have been now that I'm 30 I kind of see that a little bit more clearly and recognize like how difficult that was like as a family as my mom being the caregiver for my grandma experiencing that but my mom so like I said was a caregiver for my grandma and my mom was married to my dad my parents have three kids. I'm the youngest of three. I have two older sisters. And when I was in elementary school, my mom was like going to school, getting her bachelor's degree while working. So she had me and my sister. She was married. She was working like almost full time and getting a bachelor's degree. And my mom, like she is my hero, my inspiration. And she's the reason why I have the courage to try and earn a PhD at the same time while I now have three kids. And a common thread when I look back was she was taking care of everyone and not necessarily putting herself first. And that is what kind of stands out to me. And of course there were like spurts where I would see her like working out and like dieting, but for the most part she was putting everyone else before herself and that's not uncommon I don't think that's uncommon for black women when I think about the other like black women in my life I think about like my grandma Jones cooking Sunday dinner every week or every other week after church and just being that person doing the labor and feeding everyone I think about like other black women I know from church and how they would take on these caregiver roles for instance like going to vacation bible school and seeing all of the black women like stepping up and helping with all the kids in the church and like the aunties like stepping up and helping with their nieces and nephews and I think black women especially moms we are kind of fed this idea of we have to do everything and be everything to everyone And I'm sure you could probably think of some examples of women in your own life who have followed this pattern. And like, I love, I love this sense of community and this like collective sense that we tend to have a lot of times as black women. 
But I also wonder what is the result of this? Like, are we so community and collective oriented that we don't necessarily focus on ourselves? And I realized that I have inadvertently adopted this mindset in so many areas of my own life. Like it wasn't until I was well into my twenties that I even started thinking about or reflecting on what makes me happy. Like what is my relationship with my body? Like what does my body need to thrive? What do I need to feel emotionally safe and grounded? How do I enter into relationships with a good sense of my worth and setting acceptable boundaries? How do I show myself love and care? Am I even worthy of that? And that's why in this episode, I want to define self-care and lay out why I think self-care is so important, particularly for us as Black mothers. So according to Psych Central, um, self-care is any activity that you do to to take care of your mental, emotional, and physical health. And they say that self-care is the key to improving your mood and reducing anxiety. And I think the self-care looks different for all of us. But one of the things that I kind of land on when I think about self-care is self-care doesn't have to be like these elaborate vacations or anything that requires a lot of time and money. Self-care can be like simple daily practices such as like praying, journaling, yoga, exercise, listening to podcasts like this. And you'll hear me refer to like daily well-being practices or daily self-care practices. I'm kind of oftentimes using those interchangeably. But I think about these as actionable items that you can return to and rely on on an everyday basis. And these can be especially helpful when you're trying to just cope and when you feel the weight of the world on you Your self-care practices should support you. Self-care should lead you toward peace, like no matter what's going on around you. I created a free guide. It's called the Ultimate Daily Self-Care Plan. And this simple guide lays out exactly what you can do in the morning, afternoon, and the evening to feel grounded and to kind of give you a roadmap of how you can prioritize your well-being on a daily basis throughout the day. And these are like practices such as exercise and like mindset shifts surrounding exercise and using essential oils, affirmations. Like these are self-care practices that I rely on that I kind of compiled into this PDF that you could refer to as a reference to create a new self-care plan or to give you inspiration for whatever self-care plan you may already be following. And if you would like to grab a free copy of that, you can go to herguidedevolution.com forward slash plan. So now I want to transition and outline a few reasons why I think self-care is so important, particularly for black mothers. So I am a communication scholar and I also identify as a black feminist scholar because black feminism has been so crucial to the way I see the world, the way I see my own research, the way I make sense of myself as a black woman, as a black mother. And so I'm approaching this conversation with those ideas in mind, particularly what comes to mind when I think about self-care and I think about this conversation is an Audre Lorde quote. And Audre Lorde, if you're not familiar with her, she was a black lesbian activist and writer. 
And she said, quote, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. So the way I think about this, as Black women, I think many of us can benefit from reprogramming our brains to think about self-care as something that we do daily. It's a priority. It's not an afterthought. It is necessary for our self-preservation. And that's why I want to give you just a few reasons why I think self-care is so important for us as Black mothers, kind of keeping the spirit of that Audre Lorde quote in mind. Self-care is a chance for us to define and empower ourselves despite stereotypes. So I'm also thinking about this in the context of Patricia Hill Collins and her Black Feminist Thought book, where she talks about the importance of self-definition and us being able to define ourselves as Black women, as Black mothers, and it's a way for us to kind of reclaim our humanity. So... Existing in a Western United States context society, as Black women, we are thrusted into this world of stereotypes and these mainstream definitions of what it means to be a Black woman, what it means to be a Black mother. So there are these controlling images like welfare queens or the angry Black woman or labor mules. And defining ourselves outside of those contexts can be really empowering. And that's part of the reason why I think that self-care is so crucial for us. So another common stereotype that you may be familiar with is this idea of the strong black woman or the superwoman. So the strong black woman trope is this idea that black women can be everything to everyone, can handle everything. Like we can be these sexual goddesses and these domestic laborers. We can take care of the kids. We can go to work and we can do all of these things. And we can do all of these things to fulfill all of these roles without needing like care and love and protection. And embracing the strong black woman trope that has been linked to like poor self-care behaviors and poor mental health and so defining ourselves outside of these ideas is so important so I think that growing up in the society we kind of have this expectation that we don't need care we don't need protection and that's why I think that following a self-care plan and sticking to these well-being practices is so essential for us because that gives us an opportunity to kind of separate ourselves from these ideas that are so damaging that's inherent in our socialization. And also, we didn't grow up in a world that teaches us that we are inherently valuable. And I think many of us as black women, we end up coming to the conclusion that we should be taking care of ourselves. We need to do better. And I think that is really difficult to do when we are conditioned to see ourselves as not needing or being worthy of this type of care. And I want you to consider that it's one thing to kind of have this vague idea of, yeah, I need to be taking care of myself. I'm worthy of care. And I don't want to adhere to this strong black woman trope. But it's another thing to put that idea into action every single day. And I think self-care practices and consistently prioritizing ourselves, it helps us to redefine ourselves 
in the context of like it being a personal choice as well as a, being a black mom you are modeling this idea that we need care and black women are worthy of care we're modeling that for our children so I think about this as like my four-year-old she often she sees me like getting ready to go out for my workouts and she was like mommy are you going for a run or she's like mommy are you doing yoga and so like she sees me consistently doing these things and so I'm modeling that behavior for her so she sees like okay mommy goes to runs mommy does yoga mommy eats this way mommy does these things so maybe this is what it looks like to take care of yourself and hopefully for her it'll just be second nature seeing like mommy being the main like black woman in her life right now, this kind of modeling this behavior and what it means to be a black woman, what it means to be a black mom. Hopefully, at least it's my intention for her to see me doing all of these well-being and self-care practices. So she'll know like, okay, I'm also worthy of this care. This is just something that doesn't need to be an afterthought. It's something that needs to be like an essential component of my life. So next, I think that it's especially important for Black moms to commit to self-care and these daily well-being practices because it helps manage stress. So stress is linked to the activation of certain genes that can lead to diseases. And I think I've mentioned this before, but African-Americans, are afflicted with like chronic diseases at younger ages and at higher rates than our white counterparts. And so that's why self-care becomes critical here. Like we already have so much stress as black women, as black mothers, be it the traumatic headlines, be it our everyday personal struggles that we have, like everybody else has race related stress and we need healthy ways of relieving that stress and coping and I think we owe it to ourselves to be intentional about relieving this type of stress and look girl I know this can be really hard like after a long day you probably just want to have some wine maybe a little Netflix mindlessly scrolling through Instagram and Facebook And it's so easy, so, 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 so easy to lose ourselves and taking care of our kids and working and coping in ways that require the least amount of thought and the least amount of effort. And I know that you probably just feel like, ugh, like I'm stuck in this vicious cycle of working. I have my kids and no, I'm not exercising. No, I know I'm not eating properly, but I just don't feel like doing anything else or putting in the effort to do anything else. And I just want to validate that. Like, that makes sense. Like, it's not necessarily an easy thing to do to drastically, like, change your behavior. So I just want to validate that. But I think it is important to be intentional about adopting these healthier coping strategies to improve your well-being. And I find that when I am consistent with my self-care and prioritizing these well-being practices, I'm less stressed. I'm able to be more patient with my kids. I'm able to stay in the present moment. And I'm feeling like I have some like power or control over how I'm existing in the world. And I think my self-care practices are a huge part of that. And then last I think that sticking to a self-care practice and a self-care routine and prioritizing these self-care rituals helps you to build trust with yourself. So have you ever 
like had a project in mind and you said all these plans and intentions, maybe these big ideas, but somehow you just don't follow through with actually executing that plan. Yeah, I've I've been there plenty of times. <laughs> I've talked about this. I've been there with her guided evolution. I would try to like work on this project for years, but when it came down to it, I just wasn't executing the vision <laughs> on a day-to-day basis, which would be required to bring this idea into reality. So I think that being familiar with that feeling of like, I have all these plans, but somehow I just can't follow through. It just kind of gives you that icky feeling, feeling like a failure, frustrated, like I'm caught in this vicious cycle of knowing I have like all these goals and these dreams and I'm just not following through with it. And I just don't know how to get off the train to nowhere, basically. (laughs) But I notice that I always get a little further with my goals when I was in the space of taking care of me, focusing on myself, like prioritizing my self-care and well-being. So like exercising when I don't feel like it because I know it's good for me is something that is helpful. Meditating because I know that I need to practice and get control of my brain, doing like thought work and examining my thoughts and just I started to feel like after like sticking to some of these self-care practices I started to feel like you know what I got this I can trust myself to follow through on these tasks even when I don't feel like doing it and I think setting a self-care intention gives you the opportunity to build that trust with yourself following through when you said that you would like getting up to exercise even when you don't feel like it meditating even when you don't feel like it those are active daily strategies that help you to build that trust in yourself so when I'm kind of having this momentum of all right I'm working now I'm eating well I'm like journaling I'm tracking my moods I am being reflective in my everyday life but I'm also like in the present moment this lets me feel more comfortable setting bigger goals for myself because I know I can depend on myself to follow through so adhering to these daily self-care practices even when I don't feel like it allows me to kind of keep that same energy when it comes to setting bigger goals for myself, when it comes to executing a vision, because I'm already building and strengthening that relationship with with myself in order to know and trust that I can follow through even when it's not easy. So now I want to transition into the last segment of the show called introspection. And so for this introspection, I have been reflecting on this idea of raising black children in an anti-black world. So my oldest is four. And so I have a four-year-old daughter and I have two-year-old boy-girl twins. And I feel very fortunate that I have this privilege to be raising them at a time where I am kind of unlearning and unpacking some of the anti-blackness that inevitably every person adopts growing up in the United States or particularly in a Western society. Although I do want to point out the anti-blackness like is global y'all It's global. It's not just in the United States or not just in Western in the Western hemisphere. Anti-blackness is global. Okay. So I'm fortunate to 
be unlearning and unpacking a lot of this anti-blackness and I have been kind of doing this work over years and I feel fortunate that I'm raising kids after I kind of have this awareness in my mind when I started having kids I started being more intentional about how I wear my hair like wearing my hair natural and wearing braids and like hyping up my kids hair, like, oh my gosh, your hair is so beautiful. Like your curls are so gorgeous. And I stopped wearing straight hair. And it's not a matter of me thinking like, okay, if you have a relaxer and you have like black kids, I'm sending a bad message. No, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying for me and the unlearning process that I'm in, I felt it important to kind of switch up how I am modeling what beauty is to my kids. With that, like just being mindful, like how I'm wearing my hair, kind of unpacking anti-blackness, I am very mindful about the media that I expose my children to as well. So like I actively seek out like media representations, be it like books and TV shows that have characters that look like them. So like my kids like love the book Hair Love by Matthew Cherry and my I'm very mindful to have my kids play with black dolls and I'm like protective of the shows that they watch. And my kids are like, they're all, they're under, they're four and under. So they stay at home. And I've just kind of made this decision that I want to protect them from racism and anti-blackness as long as I can. And even with this mindset and me doing all this forward thinking, I'm still seeing signs that my four-year-old is internalizing some of these images of whiteness as like being ideal. So one thing I will say that I'm really frustrated by, like there are just not enough shows for little kids with black characters. Like my four-year-old, she loves true animal kingdom on Netflix. Uh, And like, and even though I like try to be mindful of like showing her like, here, look, let's watch Motown magic. And some of these other, other shows, a lot of the kid television shows are just that have like black protagonists. First of all, they're, they're just saying a lot of them anyway, but the ones that do exist are just not necessarily for little kids. So there's already like slim pickings when it comes to that anyway. So one of the things that I, there was one incident where I had my phone and I created like my four-year-old, like this little, her little Memoji character. And the Memojis are like a feature on iPhones where you create like this animated version of yourself for anyone who isn't like super familiar with that. So my four-year-old just kind of playing around on my phone. Like she has a little Memoji that she kind of talks into and will like send like her Memoji to like my family chat with like my parents and my sisters. And so we were like kind of playing around with her Memoji and when she, it came time for her to choose her hair for her Memoji, she didn't want like the ethnic styles or the braids. She wanted to choose like the Memoji or the hairstyle that had like straight hair. And so she was like, mommy, I want this one. And she's like pointing to like the straight hair, even though I kept saying like, oh, this is really pretty. Like the ones that have like more of the ethnic, like black looking hairstyles, like braids and things like that. She's like, no, I want this one. So it was like the straight hair. And immediately I just felt like, I felt like a bad mom. Like every time this happens where I see like a hint of like her not necessarily embracing her blackness, I just feel... I I just feel really bad. And like, I know I can't control everything she's exposed to. 
And this kind of puts me in a place where I have to adjust my expectations and just kind of like trust that I'm doing my best. Like I did her sister's here. So my two year old, um, my two year old girl twin, twin two, I like to call her twin two because she was born after my son who's twin one. So I did my little girl twin. I did her hair in Bantu knots. And so my four-year-old, she was like, mommy, I want my hair like that. I want my hair like, I want my hair like hers. And so her like wanting to wear Bantu knots, like that gave me a little bit of hope. (laughs) But like kind of contrasting that with the fact that she wanted me Moji that has straight hair. Like I'm just trying to do my best to like just kind of surrender and just be like, look, I'm doing everything I can to protect her from like these ideas. But also trying to keep a healthy mindset about it and recognizing that I can't control everything she's exposed to. And all I could do is just like surrender and hope that my best is enough. So just kind of reflecting on this and being introspective about this, I want to leave you with this idea of surrendering, like surrendering to this idea that you are a good mom, you're doing the best you can in the moment and just kind of have faith that your kids will grow up and be okay. And I'm telling myself this at the same time and like try not to get caught up in like the everyday details, like moments where you may see like anti-blackness developing or like it may be something that you did on a daily basis of like being irritable at certain points in the day and not being the kindest because you're stressed And encouraging you to, like, try not to make these sweeping generalizations about, like, who your kids will grow into and who your kids will become. Like, I think it's just a matter of doing our best, like, correcting behavior or our own behavior in the moment as best that we can. And I think there is power in surrendering to this idea that I'm doing the best I can. It'll all work out. My kids will be fine. I'm a good mom, even though my brain is telling me that I'm not. And I just want to leave you with that idea of just kind of surrendering to knowing that you are doing the best that you can. So that's all for this episode. In the next episode, I will be talking about my vegan journey. Um, So July 4th, 2020, it marks my two-year vegan anniversary. Yay! So I will be talking about what I've learned as a Black vegan and just kind of offering some insight into this diet and lifestyle, be sharing what I've learned from kind of evolving from a person who always wanted to eat a vegan diet and it felt like I could never really commit to it, and evolving to this person who actually eats a vegan diet and has been eating a vegan diet for two years. So I'll be kind of walking you all through this journey and kind of talking about like that evolution and sharing some insights about what I've learned and what maybe it could model for you in terms of your own personal growth and evolving as a person. So I will see you next week. Take care and be well. Thanks so much for listening to Her Guided Evolution. Don't forget to grab my free daily self-care plan, a guide that outlines exactly what you can do in the morning, afternoon, and evening to support your well-being. You can grab the guide at herguidedevolution.com forward slash plan. Once you sign up, I'll also send you free weekly emails to help you stay inspired and motivated on your well-being journey. Take care and I'll talk to you next week.